does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Holmgren will pass it up to Matherin. Matherin down to the baseline. Tough jumper. Good and it's over. Benedict Matherin with a hand in his face. 18 points for the Indiana Pacer. Second year man. And he leads Team Jalen into the championship. They're getting some good-looking shots here. This is Halliburton, no good. Miles Turner left of the mark. 23 seconds to go. Shot in the air goes! Tyrese Halliburton holding the pose with 20.5 seconds to go. And the hometown team has done it again. Team Pacers are your champs. It's good to have success here in Indy. Uh, the fans wanted to see us you know, have a good showing, and we did. Uh, now it's time for me to hold my end of the bargain three-point contest. Second one, 22. Third one on its way, 24. Fourth one's good, 26. And his last ball, oh, he missed it. Short and flat to the side. 26 for Halliburton, tying Trey Young. 17-14 East behind this man, Halliburton. Oh, a logo three. He's feeling it, and he knocks it home. An early show for Tyrese Halliburton. Five for five from distance. Yes, the sounds of the weekend. Welcome in on this Monday, Indianapolis. We're broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. Boy, he's going to be a tired Kevin Bowen today after last night's festivities. Uh, I'm Andy Sweeney. Great job there from Mark Dighton. We got you for the next three hours. A busy, busy weekend in Indianapolis is in the books. I'm sure everyone will have their all-star game hot takes out there on this Monday. And we'll talk about that little college basketball as Indiana and Purdue. Not good for them. Not good for Butler. And we'll talk about it over the next three hours. KB, a good morning to you, sir. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that we have the all-star highlights because certainly no college basketball Ooh. such Ooh. from the weekend. Uh, don't forget about JMV Sycamores as yeah. well. He was doom and gloom and I went on with him yesterday for an all-star game preview. But you know so. about them, at least now they're not, they can't blame the committee. Now they know <laughs> that they're going to have to They've win the conference taken it out of the committee's tournament. hands they is what take, you're saying? Yeah, usually we like it the other way when they win so many games they've taken it out of the committee's hands but now they know they have to go all the way in the valley but anyway go ahead Purdue favored Ooh. lose Indiana I, I was shocked to see they were actually favored they lose Indiana State favored they lose uh, <laughs> not good college basketball whatsoever from the weekend and obviously a whole lot on the all-star game front uh, just generally I would say this first couple things pop in my head the all-star game is just a horrible product of basketball um, <laughs> Um, there was a lot of talk and hype. What will the game be like? It, it really has come down to just how far can you shoot and who hits the most threes during the game. Like that's that. I mean that yeah. that decides yeah. the game. Um, and I, I love the booze for Damian Lillard. I, I oh, really fantastic. hope that we get we get more of this Bucks Pacers <laughs> rivalry. Honestly, Andy, they should have stopped the game after Halliburton hit his fifth three and handed him the MVP. Then. 
Well, I mean, Halliburton played 27 minutes. Uh, the only one on the East to play more was Damian Lillard. This is Doc Rivers. The only good thing Doc Rivers has done for Damian Lillard or the Milwaukee Bucks in two weeks. That's it right there. I love it. Yeah, you boo him. That's boo Lillard right off the stage. Seven to That's five fantastic. was the MVP <laughs> vote for Lillard. I honestly thought, like, co-MVP. And Lillard gunned, and he clearly, I mean, his post-game comments said it. He clearly was going for this award, but I, I, I just I don't know if I can get all up in arms about it because the game is so <laughs> bad. I, I don't care that the game's bad. Like I was I was driving in listening to ESPN radio and But it takes like all the were, big dudes out of the game. I, I know they like were, I mean Jokic shouldn't even be on the floor, really. They were they were and by the way, Jokic and Luca, like can Luca jump over a phone book? My man was uh, was moving in slow motion, if you will. Stuff I just by the rim on one of those I just listen, attempts. the NFL took this out of our control. The NFL's like, all right, everyone's going to keep complaining about our game. We're just going to make it a flag football game and then, you know, have Gardner Minshew, a third or fourth rate quarterback in the NFL, throw at some cones. Like, that's, like, we're just kind of, I don't know if we're giving in, but we're kind of giving in. I understand it's not at the end of the season why the NBA cannot do that, but here's the thing. I have never in my radio career had the, and I know nationally this will be a story, okay? I've, again, I've already heard it on ESPN Radio. The the complaining about the game, like, I, I just, I don't have it in me, KB. Like, I knew what we were going to get. I knew we were going to get no defense, logo threes, walk-in layups, walk-in dunks. And you can't do anything about it. Baseball tried. Baseball said, we're going to make this home field advantage in the World Series, which is about the dumbest rule that's ever been created in sports. So, I don't know. I mean, do you really care? Well, see, that's, they score 200 that's points? the domino effect for me. If I don't care about the game, how can I care about the MVP award? Well, I don't care about the MVP right. award. Yeah, but but Indiana fans will care. You know what I'm saying? About though? The like, MVP it's just award. like okay, oh, I'm with you. You know, Lillard versus Halliburton <laughs> shooting from the volleyball line. That's pretty much Listen, what it came it was down to. Great weekend for Halliburton yeah, and awesome the Pacers. Awesome weekend. It Turner, loved it. Matherin, like, the whole atmosphere. Um, like I just found myself driving in this morning, being like, and again, I am heavily biased, Andy, but it's just like. I'm proud of our city being able to put on the type of event that I felt like was put put on. I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, from a passion standpoint, from sure. a uniqueness standpoint, to me, when you're putting on these sorts of events and they're annual events, that's how you separate your yourself from other, you know, cities. And whether it is, again, passion, the efficiency, or the uniqueness, I feel like we routinely check all of those boxes. And and like I am heavily biased. I am the exact wrong person to sit here and give some, you know, unfiltered take on because I, I clearly I want these events to be in our city more than they have been. Uh, but the you know times that I was downtown all weekend long, I felt like we did an outstanding job with that. It's unfortunate that Mother Nature reared her ugly head for really like the first time in hell months uh, with the weather there, but didn't think it was too much of a hindrance there. And now, if you're Tyrese Halliburton, you do absolutely nothing today. You treat this day like it is literally Sunday after a bachelor party, and you don't show your face. You don't get out of bed. He, he has an IV you, brought uh, to him, brought to his room, he wherever needs, he's at. Okay. You don't need to do it. I mean, I'm watching him last night. I'm sitting there at uh, at Cambridge Fieldhouse. I'm like, he's still wearing he's wearing the back pad when he comes over 
He's like you. In between now, breaks, are, are I'm you, like, are you wearing the back pad simply in solidarity, uh, solidarity uh, with Tyrese Halliburton? What's going on with you? It, him and I are doing no, the Spider Man meme. The back, how is the back? By nah, the way, it, Everything okay? it, is, it is getting better, All but right. uh, yeah, like Halliburton. I'm sure the Twenty degree weather really helped over the weekend. I'm still doing that. So yes, <laughs> it is rest, rest, rest. We'll have Rick Carlisle on tomorrow. The Pacers will get back to practice tomorrow, Thursday, their first game, and then we reset. And we move forward to the final 26 You put him in season. one of those stand-up things where they, they, they turn the temperature all the way down to like 100 below. Have you seen those? I've never actually been in one of those. And then they have the thing that looks like a sleeping bag, those chambers. Yeah, That's I'm not, what he needs to be in for the next 24 hours. I am absolutely not not tough enough to <laughs> last there. I, I will say, and I think Mark Dighton, uh, he was down there nearly the same time. So the Fan Fest, the crossover... Uh, we either did the best job of promoting that KB, or they didn't need our promotion. Because I think everyone in Indianapolis was, was, packed. At, was at the NBA crossover on Saturday afternoon. Like, I mean, everyone in the city in Indianapolis. That thing was fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, had, we it was a pain in the ass getting out of there, but it was a fun as hell time. I don't know if any either of you went, but it was, oh, yeah, it was KB, really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughters had a blast. There Good was job. Players left and right. There was a G League slam dunk contest going on. I ran it in, was really, really cool. I ran cool. into... Uh, and I'm not exactly sure which rendition he's going by, but I, I nearly ran and looked up, nearly ran into Ron Artest. Oh, yeah. And that I would be one of the last people you would ever want to see because that is a scary, menacing individual who still looks like, you know, he could go out and give you 12 and 8 tonight. I thought it, well, you know, one of the coolest moments of All-Star Weekend for me was last night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I think it was after the first quarter, the Pacers honored some of their former All-Stars. Um, I don't know, nine, ten of them put them on the Jumbotron, and you know it was such a long time out. You actually had a good amount of the NBA current All-Stars looking at the Jumbotron and watching. I'm looking down there, Tyrese Halliburton's clapping after each one is introduced. One of the loudest cheers for any of them was our test, easily. I mean, certainly Reggie had Reggie, and that goes sure. without saying. Jermaine O'Neal, very deserved recognition. But I thought pretty cool. Ron rocking his Pacers hat there. Uh, basketball indoor theme park. That's what I called it Friday during the show. Uh, I thought the crossover was great. Yeah, it was packed. Tons of great activation stuff over there. Um, I, you know, Saturday night inside of Lucas Oil, guys. I, I feel like the one thing that needs to become annual for the All Star Game is, and Caitlin Clark's presence will only help us. I think probably the best moment of the weekend, or at least one of them, was Steph versus um, Sabrina Nascu. Yeah. I mean, when she hit those first six or seven threes to open up Saturday night, that was that <laughs> that might have been the loudest cheer of the night. Inside of that building. And you had the Pacers win a team event in that arena. I thought that was really cool. Like, dunk contest. Nowadays, we have seen, I think, so many of the dunks. It just rewards the little guy. And Mac McClung has... It happened with Nate Robinson. Remember, he missed like 33 dunks in a row. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like you watch Jalen Brown dunk or you watch, yeah. you know, Jaime or even, you know, Toppin's I brother. Top, I thought Toppin was pretty good, actually. Right, yeah. but it's like... You just walk away and you aren't as blown away as you used to be because these guys are just so athletic and they make it look so easy. Mac McClung, it's like, wow, he is really springy. He's dunking over Shaq. He, you know, he did kind of the double clutch with the ball, one of his early dunks. That was but the best dunk of the night, I thought. That the one. the I, one where he like dropped the ball and yeah, caught, like it caught it and I, caught it again. I, I, and thought, that, it. I yeah. thought that was. I agree with you. I I did think as an aside that was that was pretty clean. I the, like the uh, the uh, the lid. There, the floor. How did that LED look? floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed like the variety of different floors sure. that you saw. Again, for me inside of Lucas Oil, this goes back to the announcement last summer, and this goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. How do you separate yourself from these other All Star cities? 
And what did our host committee decide? Hey, instead of having every single event inside of our NBA arena, what if we go across the street and keep it in the downtown radius, but double the amount of people you're going to get in the building? And sure, it is at the end of the day, it's still a basketball court in a football stadium. Like the intimacy of that is not going to be great. But at the end of the day, if you get 35,000 people in there and you open it up to an extra, whatever, 16,000, 17,000 people, that to me is all that matters. And that was kind of what I felt inside of Lucas Oil Stadium on, on Saturday night there. So uh, good Monday morning. I don't know if we've even said that. Good Monday morning to our audience out President's there. President's Day. Happy President's Day Happy to everybody. Happy President's Day, certainly. Kid, kids have off, right, Mark? Your kids are off oh, school? Oh, yeah. They, they were up late last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be... No school. <laughs> you can stay up. Maddie's okay. like, oh, gosh, can you please leave the show right as it ends to come home and help out? So, uh, yes, good luck to everyone out there dealing with that here on this Monday morning. Tony East saw him last night in the building, 8.30 today. Greg Doyle also in the building last night coming up. At nine o'clock, Doyle called uh, Lillard a pig. I love that. Lillard was Johnny. I did think, (laughs) honestly, the most memorable part of last night. I think we'll like if anyone even goes down this path, it'll be like, what do you remember from the NBA All Star Game in Indianapolis in 2024? I think the Halliburton flurry to start the game. Oh, absolutely, will be the most memorable moment. But Lillard literally just stepping into half court shots and hitting the both both of them that he took. I thought Halliburton deserved MVP unquestionably, but then when Lillard hit the second half-court shot, and it literally looked like he was just stepping into a free throw. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, he is really talented. Yeah, and he's he's also going, at that point, you're like, yeah, he's probably going to win the MVP. I don't know. I mean, Halliburton didn't win the MVP, but you got to boo Lillard. I don't know. There is a trade-off there that wasn't so bad, but I mean, honestly, Is this a me, rivalry? Like, it, yeah, is yeah. that Dame time? There, was was Damian Lillard there's not no passing the ball it. to Tyrese there's Halliburton no about because it. he did his celebration in Vegas? Doc Rivers, uh, the Bucks coach, playing him the most minutes on the Eastern mm-hmm. side. I, I believe in all of that. Uh, I've already made it known. Like, I'm not hot takey about the style of the game. I did think, like you, maybe until the end, that Halliburton was going to win MVP. But I will say this. For people that are mad and want to boo him and call him a pig, I, I, listen, I have no problem with, with any of that. We can get our jokes off this morning. For me, real talk, I just thought it was a good weekend for the Pacers. Like, I want to talk about this at 7.30, but, you know, I was wrong about about Matherin. Like, I was like, hey, you need to go bubble wrap for three or four days. And he had uh, a very nice weekend. And for me, it was... It was a celebration, maybe not a celebration, it was at least an acknowledgement from the NBA that there is a good young team with a good young marketable uh, star here in Halliburton. And it was just a, it was just a good weekend. I mean, I mean, from uh, Friday night to Saturday night and into what Halliburton did, the flurry at the beginning. Yeah. Again, he could have, should have won MVP, but it was an acknowledgement from the NBA that the Pacers got a little bit of something cooking. And now for me, you know, the, the day, Days of acknowledgement and praise and, ah, it's a young team and they're up and coming and Halliburton and Mather and having a big weekend and everything else. Now, now it's, let's go win some games. They have been, you know, and that's kind of my thing this morning. We'll talk about it all week is, you have had 
you've had the up and down play. You've had the injuries. Good God, this team has had some injuries and some inconsistent play. Now it's time to be healthy, and now it's time to be consistent, and now it's time to be good. And and I thought it was a, it was a good recharge and a good celebration for the Pacers. And now they get a couple days off, and now they got to get going. Thursday, Pistons in town. For those that did watch the Rising Stars game Friday night, boy, circle Benedict Mather against Jay Nivey. The first mm-hmm. time those two are matching up against each other. Come thir- yeah, Matherin's just, he, he, he's simply crazy. I mean, like, I, I'm watching the Rising Star game, Stars game on Friday night. I'm like, we're about ready to have a fight here. Like, Matherin and Ivy are about ready to fight each other. And I guess, fortunately, it did not get to that. That That is the most competitive aspect to the night. It, I, I guess I don't want people to walk away, Andy, and think, you know, I can sit here and say the All-Star game from any sort of semblance of competitive basketball is an absolute joke. Oh, sure it is. But that doesn't mean I don't think the weekend itself doesn't offer a really nice celebration for those stars. Like, I'm sitting there watching intros last night. I'm like, damn, this is really cool. Like, in our city, you're getting all of this, Big O and Reggie and Larry and all of that. And then, you know, they're showing celebrities at every single time out. I mean, it is a who's who in that building. That is pretty darn awesome for our city to be able to bask in that. Um, I thought the building itself looked great last night. Um, It was fun walking around and just seeing... Um, all of the atmosphere all weekend long and certainly made up for an ugly, ugly weekend college basketball-wise here locally. So plenty to get to on that front. Again, the Colts offseason about to really pick up here potentially as early as tomorrow. We'll explain that. Michael Pittman has had some comments about business is business. What do we read into that? If anything, as the franchise tag window opens up tomorrow, We'll hit on that as well. Again, Tony East joining us at 8.30. Greg Doyle coming up at 9. Thank you for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call here. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, and Mark Dykton on 93.5107. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Five, the fan. Tony East joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony joins us here, locked on Pacers, Forbes, and of course, SI.com. Uh, Tony, let's start with this and a very good morning to you. Uh, what's a big NBA, uh, big picture takeaway that uh, maybe hits your mind coming from this weekend? And what would be a Pacers item, a Pacers takeaway as well as you were right in the midst of all the coverage over the past three, four days or so? Uh, Pacers takeaway would be all about just Tyrese Halberton and his place in the league, right? Like these kind of weekends can have sort of a launch pad effect on players like last year, for example, Lowry Markinen and in Utah, right? Was an all-star for the, for the first time in his home city. And now is you know, considered one of the, the premier talents in the league, one of the best shooters in 
in the NBA and a guy that, you know, was talked about as like, man, could this be the guy that shakes up the NBA as the acquisition this year in a trade? And he wasn't traded, but he's that good. And it was sort of a, I mean, people knew who he was, but now it was really quite the change for his career trajectory and perception and all that kind of stuff. And of course it was the funny moment for him with getting picked last in the all-star draft, which didn't happen, but Albert played amazing in Indy and won some events and was great in the all-star game and had his own crowd. I mean, that kind of stuff can be so significant for a player, not only locally, but nationally as well. And for Albert to have that moment, I think was significant nationally and for the NBA in general. I mean, (laughs) there were so many new things that I think the the theme from the weekend and what will be looked back on is like stuff that impacts future all-star weekends, whether that's, LED courts or more LED courts. That was really cool to see in person. I think a lot of people really liked that if you were there. And if you saw it on TV, some people liked it. Some people not at all. Uh, maybe changes to the actual All-Star game. That was the hot topic last night. Everybody hated it. Uh, 211 points. Adam Silver with the longest pause in human history when discussing how many points the Eastern Conference scored uh, in the game afterwards. You know, the Rising Stars format was new. Uh, it was only the second ever G League next up game. Like, there's just so much stuff that either new or tweaked or has been discussed as needing tweaks that could be something the league looks at in the future because the theme this year was back to basketball. I'd wonder in its future years, the theme is, you know, maybe a little tweaked just to, to align with the NBA's goals a little bit differently. Tony, what was the uh, best thing you saw all weekend long or maybe your favorite moment from All-Star Weekend? Then on the flip side, what was the thing that I guess you didn't like the most from the weekend? Uh, I love the Steph versus Sabrina uh, on Saturday, that was so cool. Just like it's a seminal moment for the sport, right? To be able to to have something like that happen, and you know, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press asked a question like this in the press after the game. But you know, if it, it, it was like twenty-one to eighteen was the final score or something like that, and it was still cool because it was close and they shot it okay. Like, yeah, it would have been cool and it would have been it would have been fun, but to, to have it be twenty-six to twenty-nine, where they're both just. When she like hit those that. first six or seven, Tony, that, that might have been the loudest thing in, in, in Lucas Oil all night long. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sweet. And then, of course, I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, he was unbelievable. But, like, those were the two – I mean, Sabrina tied the best score from the actual three-point contest of any player, right? So those are the two best shooting rounds of the whole night like, in that same contest. I mean, it was, it was awesome for the sport. It was awesome for the women's game. I mean, it was just – an absolutely fantastic thing. And, I, and, and, you know, they were both talking about after it, like things they would like to potentially do with it in the future, like adding another player to both of them on teams or something like that. Like the fact that they already have thought about it like that, I think that it was revealed uh, from the Nielsen ratings that it was like the top moment or the most viewed moment of the whole thing on Saturday. You know, I think that that was huge for, for the sport and for both leagues, the WN and the WBA that, uh, that that kind of happened. Uh, what was the other one? The thing I saw that I liked the least, um, 211 points, I think. I mean, that was uh, – I didn't – I like the All-Star game more than most people just because my expectations are lower. But there just becomes a point where it's like we're running out the clock here. You know, like I, I, I should have – I think the next year's story, I'll bring a stopwatch and time how long Tyrese Halburn's at the scores table before he checks in every time because there's just no stoppages in the game. It's just back and forth with buckets. I actually kind of liked when the Elam ending was utilized. I, I get we're not going to get this hard-nosed defense and, you know, okay, I, I fully get that. But I think you saw it in the Rising Stars game Friday night. When you put a target score out there, it at least gives a little bit more. I'm not acting like it's earth-shattering, but to me, that is something I enjoyed 
and for it to be taken out of the game, I just think you get into even a bigger joke than it than it was. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, people have talked about the, the All-Star game being rudderless for a while, and it kind of has been, but I think it was 2020, the year they also were honoring Kobe with the jerseys and stuff like that, 2021. You know, like that that one, it was 152 to 152, and the target score was 157, and like they were defending and running plays and like trapping pick and rolls for like three minutes. Like that was like, even if the rest of the game wasn't that exciting, that was really cool. That that was a key moment. And so I I get why they they had the theme they did uh, and wanted to go back to East and did that. But, you know, Tyrus Halberton said it at the end of, of and, I, and to be clear, I like the Elster game. Like I enjoy most NBA events, but you know, Tyrese Halberton said it in late January. Like it was the exact same day that we were asking Tyrese Halberton about the 65 game rule and injuries and returning to the floor. You know, he was asked about the all-star game and, and how it can be more competitive. And he's like, well, we're not trying to get hurt because of this. And, you know, their incentives are, and they are paid to play for their team and win for their team and winning the all-star game means nothing for their team. And, you know, they aren't paid to do so. So I totally understand why the incentives for the players are what they are. And, I think this is going to be what it is unless there's an Elam ending or significant incentives or something like that. Tony East joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Should Tyrese Halliburton have won MVP last night? Did it get ripped off? How big of a deal is this? Did you boo Dame Lillard? I'm throwing all these questions at you, Tony. What do you think? <laughs> I, I did not boo Dame. Uh, I, I was not outraged by the result. Like I, I think it was kind of very Tyrese in a way because the reason he didn't win MVP, and I think some people have assessed this correctly, is he wasn't selfish. He passed the ball. He he deferred at times throughout the game, right? Like, I think it's perfectly fitting that the guy who won MVP, his highlights were shots. Dame hit two half-court shots, right? One that was with all his legs in the, in the first half, and one that took all his arms because he was exhausted in the second half. And, like, those are sweet. You know, the people remember the who's and odds of those. Halliburton tried to have his Big highlight be the, you know, recreating the Jason Williams pass from the 2000 rookie sophomore game, right? When he went for the, the elbow pass. Giving up the ball was, was what his big highlight was trying to be. And maybe you could say the, the five threes in a row, uh, I mean, that was just a crazy crescendo of moments. But, like, he tried to recreate an iconic moment, and he passed it to Dame Lillard with that play, uh, fittingly enough. And Dame missed that three of all the ones to miss. So, uh, I think there's definitely an argument to be made, right? Like, they were close in every stat, and Halliburton was more efficient. And, look, I think there is an element of you get a little bump in your home city uh, for, for all-star game MVP because it's not like that's a thing that people talk about when any sort of, you know, legacy or talent discussions. Uh, but, I, I know I am not outraged by the result, even though, you know, I, I, I did laugh at the people talking about, like, the Bucks boxing him out and, and you know, the Bucks head coach, two Bucks players not giving him the ball. They like, freeze exactly. him, Tony. Yeah, they did. Come on. Come on, believe come on, believe in these things. There's one guy that played more minutes than Halliburton in the Eastern Conference. His name was Dame Lillard. Which is, honestly, a good thing, I think, if you're a Pacers fan, watching Dame play that many minutes. Seven well, to five, for those that care, was the all-star voting from last night uh, on, on yeah. the MVP award. Can I can I say that maybe Carl Towns has a also a big gripe for getting robbed? He played really well. Fifty and yeah, he played hit fifty points. And people were saying like like I guess it was between Dave and Ty because they were on the winning team. But I mean, <laughs> you get any credit for winning a game that was two eleven to one eighty six or whatever it was? <laughs> like Cat Cat was really good too. I don't know. 
I think the most memorable moment, honestly, was the Halliburton 5-3 flurry there to start the game. But I will say Lillard stepping into those half-court shots and hitting both of them, shooting them like it was a free throw, was uh, pretty darn impressive by him. Again, Tony East is with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. You can read his work over on SI.com. Locked on Pacers, always a great listen. He was a very busy man throughout All-Star Weekend, so we appreciate his time here on this Monday morning, shifting gears to the final 26 games. Thursday will be the Pacers back in action against the Pistons. I believe back to practice tomorrow for the Pacers. Your biggest non-related health question for this team for the final 26 games. Ooh, not related to health question. I mean, it, it, their results recently have just kind of felt, you know, very roller coastery, which is surprising because, you know, the the, the numbers of the Pacers with Siakam and Halbert on the quarter are, like, fantastic since the trade, right? Like, a really great net rating. Their offense is fantastic. So, I think my questions would be, one, is that real, right? Are they really that good with both of their stars on the floor? Because it seems like Halbert's going to be able to play more, right? Down the stretch, obviously, he played 34 minutes in the last game before the break and, you know, played 27 minutes in the game last night, like you alluded to. And he even said, like, yeah, I felt good, and, and I jumped off one leg for that dunk in the skills challenge, and I, you know, everything was great in the response to that. Like, that's, that's great for him. So if he can play his normal minutes load and can have all the bursts in the world and all that kind of stuff, that, of course, matters. And so if they can sustain that number, which I suspect they can. They've, they've played well off of each other even without a ton of time together. It's can the rest of the team and mostly the bench units where they're not both playing together – figure it out and be a little more normalized, right? Like the, the rotation is shaken up when Pascal Siakam's added to the mix. Jalen Smith's back with the bench groups. And, of course, Buddy Heald's been traded now. So the second unit has looked different quite literally since the trades. And maybe it's just that. It's just that it's a different unit. Maybe it's that there's just been so much mixing and matching because of the injuries they've had. But, you know, their bench was so good for so much of the season. It was such a big strength. And their bench is still solid, but – it, it's lost them at least two games straight up since the trade and hasn't been nearly as good. So these Halliburton plus Siakam minutes are great, and then they're still losing because you know the bench was awful in Portland. I mean, their worst game of the season. In that Hornets game, they just scored 102. Their bench was terrible. And I, so it's just if they, I, I think two things will be big for me. Is, is it sustainable with Tyrese plus Pascal? Because that matters for this season and beyond, right? That would kind of signal the Pacers have something here for the next couple of years. But also – is the can the bench recover? Can the new look bench unit be good enough that it, the Pacers look like they did early in the season? Because then, if, Ty, if Tyrese and Pascal aren't as good together as those numbers, at least they can still get some wins and be a good team. And of course, the other thing is the standings. Can they hold on to sixth? Because that is a very tight race, and the Sixers are vulnerable now. So I'll be curious about that as well. Tony, uh, is there any update on Aaron Neesmith? Have you heard anything on his uh, whatever ankle shin from last Wednesday? I haven't. Uh, he wasn't at All-Star Weekend. I can't blame him for getting out getting out of town with everything going on. But, you know, I think Dustin reported that that Carl uh, actually walked to the arena after that game, which is good news, I suppose. But, you know, when he had the tape on the shin already, if it's a shin injury, maybe it could be something that is bugging him. So I, I think we'll learn more, like, tomorrow or Wednesday. But, yeah, I said now nothing.
Tony East with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one for me, Tony. Where do you think this team ultimately finishes? You know, for for me, you look at him, boy, at 31 and 25, they're just a couple games away from being up at the four seed. They're also a game away from being the nine seed or being the eight seed, I should say. Uh, I guess in the middle then would be the six. Where do you think this team ultimately will finish? I know we're looking ahead 26 games here, um, but it's going to be, you know, quite the finish here. They need to be out of that seven seed. What do you think happens? And my gut is saying seven, uh, and I say that because, uh, you know, I think the Heat are just – they played really well heading into the break. They made an upgrading trade getting Terry Rozier. They were really unhealthy for a stretch here in, like, January, early February. And so if the Heat can get rolling, I think they are better than the Pacers, even though the Pacers did beat them once. So they're just really talented, and I can never bet against an Eric Spolter team. And But the wild card effect of this is – is Philly because who knows how long Embiid is specifically going to be out for. And they've won some games since the trade deadline. Buddy Hield's playing well for them. Tyrese Max is on that team. They're not a pushover, but you know they were like three and seven in their last 10 games going into the break and they clearly aren't as good without an MVP. And that's not shocking or anything, but I, it's just really hard for me to figure out where they're going to finish. Can they figure stuff out and adjust or are they actually – you know, catchable. If, if, if a 60% win percentage team can keep up with them over the course of the season, then six feels attainable for the Pacers, even if the Heat pass them, right? But I think on aggregate, I think them and the Magic will probably be pretty similar on level for the rest of the season, two kind of young teams who haven't had a stretch run with expectations yet. Uh, but I think Miami and Philly are going to be the wild card. So if, I, if, you, if you have any bet right now, I'd say seventh and then you know, a very tough plan and hope to hope to win that first game so you don't play Boston in the first round. But sixth is on the table. Fifth is maybe on the table. But I, it, it's impossible to me for them to fall to ninth Sands. Just absolute disaster of injuries because there's a big cushion between them and that. They hit the Bulls in ninth. And those teams are just so inconsistent down there. Tony, last, last one. Again, thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. You wrote, this is the first time we've talked since the Buddy Heald trade, and there was something you wrote in one of your pieces explaining how um, the new CBA rewards strong drafting early in round two. As much as you can dumb it down for me and maybe even our audience out there, uh, could you share exactly what all that entails? Because, again, the Pacers – We'll have a high second-round draft pick this year is the thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, in general, strong drafting is always rewarded just because it's a good player, right? But it, specifically, there's the second-round pick exception now that, you know, it, it makes the second round just all the more valuable, especially for a team like the Pacers that's now, you know, over the cap and, and tax conscious because you can sign players without using your exceptions or anything like that to a three- or four-year deal. So not only does that make the pick valuable in terms of, getting the player you draft on a contract that makes sense and is longer and you actually are willing to invest in them because they're on your team for a long time and all that. But now the pick is valuable to every team, right? Because every team can do that, even other teams with tax concerns or other teams with poor draft capital. So the pick becomes more valuable from a player development perspective, especially for a Pacers team that, you know, their top pick in the second round from that Buddy Hill trade could be their best pick in this draft, right? So that'll be interesting to see. And they've done well with, top picks in the second round, getting them hard. They traded the 31st pick in Aaron Holiday for the Isaiah Jackson pick in the first round, right? Like they've done well with picks in that kind of area. But also it has more demand for our mother teams because it can be so valuable from a cap perspective now in a way that it wasn't before. And so it still is the 30-whatever pick that they'll have. 
36, 38, 37, whatever. But it has more value than it did two years ago. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a seller's trade from a team that's trying to win, which is still interesting. But it has value that could be used in the future. And I think, you know, Chad Buchanan kind of explained it that way as when you are thinking long term, adding those pieces to your team can be important. They had that late first round pick last year that they flipped and pushed back a year. And all of a sudden it's part of the Pascal Siakam trade. So you just never know what these picks, but that, yeah, these early second rounders are, are a tool now and the Pacers have it. Tony enjoyed running into you last night. As I said to you, great coverage all weekend long. I know it's uh, probably a bit exhausting for you. So thanks for making time with us here on this Monday morning. And uh, we'll certainly be reading later in the week. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Great to see you, Kevin. It was a good time. All right, the sounds of the weekend. What a weekend here in Indianapolis. Our all-star festivities. Uh, we are out there on Friday. The NBA crossover event was just, it was jam-packed on Friday, Saturday. Great to go out there. Uh, so many players walking around. Then, of course, all the festivities Friday, Saturday. Uh, and no doubt the hot takes are out there uh, on the all-star game. The competitiveness, if you will, the all-star game. Uh, we'll get to all of that as well. All right, 9 o'clock hour here. Greg Doyle is going to join us here in just a second. Reminder, we'll get to our go to the weekend. We also have a pop quiz coming up this hour as well. So uh, lots to accomplish here as we broadcast live from the drivehubler.com studios. All right, from the Indianapolis Star, Greg Doyle joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you wrote a column about this, so I want to give you a chance to kind of uh, long form talk about it, if you will. Dame Lillard, the amount of shots he took, winning the MVP from Halliburton last night. Go ahead, my friend. Well, it was disgusting. Uh, it, listen, this was this is not a game. We all saw it. This is not a game where if you're really good, you're going to win the the MVP. This has become a game. Last night it was a game where whoever takes the most shots on the winning team is going to win the MVP because there's no defense and all these guys are great. You know, you give basically shoot around. You give them shoot around shots, they're going to make most of them. That's what we saw. So whoever whoever decides, you know what, I think I should get the MVP is going to go get it. And Lillard decided early on, I think I'm going to go get the MVP. And this isn't – Halliburton was the guy. It's his city. He was the guy in the first quarter, 15 points in 90 seconds. At that point, it's pretty much over. Just play the game out, let everybody get equal shots, and he's going to have 50. But they didn't do that. And because Halliburton himself, and it's his fault really in, in a way, he's so selfish, he actually thought he was playing basketball. Poor guy. He, he was passing the ball to everybody, including Lillard. So I'm just I'm just ticked off. You know, it's, I'll get over it. We'll all get over it. But this is a once in a lifetime event for our city, but for Halliburton in our city, and we love Halliburton. And it wasn't his moment out of pity, out of anything. It was his moment. And Lord said, "Nah, I'm going to go ahead and take this moment from you." He, he's a pig. He's a ball hog. Greg, thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. Um, I'll leave it pretty open-ended. What was the favorite thing you observed from All-Star Weekend? What was the thing that you did not like the most from All-Star Weekend? Favorite thing I observed was the Kristen Moore House. It was, uh, I was there on the NBA Legacy, NBA Cares Project. It was Thursday. They unveiled about a quarter of a million renovations to the Kristen Moore House, which is a west side in Hallville 
community center where they do education and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they, they, you, you should walk through the halls of there. It's it's so humble and beautiful and selfless, and, and the flyers they're handing out for, you know, things like, you know, here's how you get your GED, for example, if you need that. And they, they're, they're, it's the real world. Does it, do we want any kid to aspire to the GED? Of course not. But in the real world, for some kids, that's the best they're going to do. And, and the Chris Morehouse, and it's a lot more than that. I'm just saying that's an example of the kind of thing that they – they don't want you slipping through the cracks. And so the NBA and the Pacers came along and added a whole lot of spackle. And it was beautiful. And I saw 50 kids on the floor just agog at Miles Turner and people like that. The governor was there. It was, it was beautiful. You know, that the, the All-Star Game comes to town, and there were three events. Friday night was the Rising Stars, Saturday, of course. We, we all know, you know shooting the, the slam dunk and all that, and the game was Sunday. I was originally supposed to do all three, um, my choice, and then decided, no, I, I need to write about the Kansas City, you know, shooting. I just need to write about that because now the sports world's coming our way. And what is IMPD doing, you know, to stop it if it happens here? And then the Chris Morehouse thing happened, and I was just really happy to write about two real things. I wasn't happy to write about shooting, but I was write, happy to write about real stuff because the All Star Weekend. It was. I'm glad it's here. I'll be done soliloquying in a minute, but I'm glad it was here. Millions and millions, tens of millions, whoever, who knows how much it, benefit we get out of this. Glad it was here. The only problem with it is that there's an actual game they play and, and everything else about it, you know, just kind of, I'm, I'm sorry to be the Grinch, but it all kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all over the top festivities. And, and I, I, get, I get a lot of people, a lot of people like over top festivities. I, I like real, I prefer real. And there's nothing about that. That's real. You brought up once in a lifetime event and Greg Doyle from the Indianapolis stars with us here on the Payless liquors hotline. You brought up once in a lifetime event. You think better chance our city hosts a Super Bowl again in the next 30 years or an NBA all-star game? Great question. Uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I, I think, it, you know, I, I think they're going to rotate that enough. I, something will happen whether in the next 30 years we get a new, I mean, 30 years, is a long time. And, and Lucas oils, I don't know, 10 years old, however old it is. Uh, we'll get a new stadium perhaps by then. Or something will happen, an ownership uh, shift or something. We'll, we'll need to get rewarded to keep the NFL, the team here. I think that'll happen. Yeah, I think, uh, who, who was it? Herb Simon said last night, they interviewed him on the court afterwards, and he, he was kind of joking but kind of not. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we, we – I hope you guys all had a good time here in, in town. And I'm looking forward to when we get to host this thing again in, in, in 40 years, I think is what he said. So, I, anyway, neither one's likely to happen anytime soon. If, if you told me to bet, bet money in the next 20 years, Bet everything you got. We will have an all-star game or Super Bowl here in the next 20 years, or we will not. I would bet not. Greg Doyle with us. Uh, Pay Less Liquors Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. Tons of great coverage from the Star, but obviously, Greg, uh, out and about with the people this weekend. I saw you tweet this uh, when you were you know, promoting your appearance coming up on the show here this morning. You wanted to go after Draymond Green as well. Green was really one of the only ones who was outspoken about the game and the weekend being here in Indianapolis, I believe. Yeah, well, you you know, sometimes you can measure yourself by who your enemies are, and uh, and you and you take and you're happy about it. Like there are certain people on Twitter that that I've blocked, and I'm like, this is I'm doing something right if I don't want to allow you access to my Twitter. Then I'm you know I'm okay with who I am. And if Draymond Green is the voice against us, then you know you don't want anybody speaking out. But if it's only Draymond Green, I mean that guy, he's he's out of control. He's out. Of, he's immature. He's out of control. He's, he hasn't grown up yet. You can tell by the way he, you know, he acts. He just he, he he's out of control. And if he's the guy that thinks Indianapolis isn't cool enough, 
Like, if you're still playing that card, like, brother, you, you make $20, $30 million a year. You can fly to Cabo. You can go anywhere you want and have a great time. You don't need the All-Star game to fly you somewhere so you can have fun in February. You can have fun round the clock. The All-Star game isn't about that. It's not about – if you still think the All-Star game is, a, is about, like, I want to go somewhere for three days and drink somewhere where there's a bunch of strip clubs. If that's what you think you need at this point in your life, then the joke's on you. So he, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he never he, he rarely does. And, and again, if, he, if he's the voice of the wilderness, I'm okay, because John the Baptist, he ain't. And the Red Garter's underrated, from what I hear. <laughs> I, not not from a in-person opinion there. Boy, I didn't have John the Baptist on the old uh, bingo card here for Greg Doyle. Uh, Greg Doyle is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Boy, I just Voice in the wilderness, though. I, I, I agree I with you. Greg, I agree with you I, on that I one. I would just yeah. add one more point, too, Greg, to the point of like, okay, why do I need to listen to an NBA player tell me what he wants out of the All-Star game? To me, it, it revolves around th- three things. Do you put on an efficient event? Do you put on a creative event? And do you put on a passionate event from people in your community? And there's no way you can tell me otherwise that we didn't check all three of those boxes. No, no way. And especially, you know, we had degree of difficulty. It's like you, you know, you, you got to, some people get more credit. Like the, the gymnast that tries four flips gets scored on a higher level than the gymnast that tries two. You know, there's, there, there is degree of difficulty. And we had snow. We had snow fall, an unexpectedly large amount fall the day everybody was arriving. And that is, that is about as unexpected. I mean, and you know, we've we've seen worse unexpected events. Okay, uh, I mean, Kansas City. Let's not go overboard, but that was as far as non tragedies as as unexpected and un- and complicated as an event as we were going to have right before the All Star game, and we still nailed it. We still nailed it, and there, there's just no question we're the best. I mean, when I said I don't think we're going to get a Super Bowl or, or All Star game, not, not because we don't deserve it. We we they should hold. We should be just like the Final Four is here every five or six years, and that's because the NCAA is in town. I get it. We should be on a rotation. For the Super Bowl too, I just it's that good, but I, I think one reason why Draymond probably is is, is whining and, and why we won't get it back again is I think they, the NBA just like the Super Bowl wants their fans to go somewhere where they know it won't snow because they're trying to it's all about money and they're trying to sell as many tickets as possible and as many plane tickets as possible even if you can't go to the game because the games will be sold out but they want people in that town and they know people aren't going to be flying to Minneapolis all that often in January and February but they'll be flying to Atlanta and, and parts south. He's Greg Doyle. He's with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Greg, about 20 minutes ago, Jim Mersey, um, his account, I guess, tweeted, big congrats to Herb and Pacers. A great job of hosting NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, we've seen you know a couple of tweets from Jim in the last few weeks. When do you think's the next time we see him in person? Probably training camp. Uh, I don't know why we would – I mean, in a vacuum – I don't really know why we would see him before that. I don't know that we see him annually at the uh, Combine. Do you, Kevin, I know you go every year. Do, do we see him there? I don't think we do. We don't. The, the, the two uh, items on the calendar I would point to of when we do see him annually is in about a month, a little over a month, the league's uh, annual meetings, I believe, in Orlando this year. Ursay, uh. usually, I believe you guys usually send like Joel or Nate Atkins down there for that. Um, right. So that is when he uh, typically speaks to the media. And then uh, every draft, the Saturday of the draft, is when he comes into the media room or what. I guess we've gone into his office before and uh, had a little powwow in there. So those those are the two events I've pointed to, um, Greg, of just kind of letting our audience know if it's a normal off season, owners' meetings in late March, the draft in late April, that is when we typically see him. Then I think we'll see him in late March. Um 
I don't have any insight into this, but the only thing I all I have is common sense and, and, and despite how much I might attack people sometimes, decency. And my common sense, my decency meter tells me the Colts in no way after the everybody had their fears about our say, rumors were everywhere. We all thought what we thought and none of us thought it was gonna be good. And for them to for him to for somebody to have tweets coming out from his account implying that he's okay or on the mend or whatever for that to not be true for them to like, we were already prepared for the worst. We, we were, and I don't want to say any more about it, but we were all prepared for the worst. And now for them, if they, th- there's just no way they would uh, dishonestly insincerely give us hope that we're not getting the worst. So I suspect he's doing, I suspect he's turned a corner. Whatever, and I have no idea what corner he had to get around zero idea, but I suspect he's turned a corner and what late March is six weeks away from now, which is eight or nine or 10 weeks away from when he first tweeted out that, you know, Hey, I'm doing okay or whatever. So we'll see him then. And if we don't, um, we'll know, you know, that, that we'll have clarity, you know, but I, I just, I cannot believe the Colts and Ursa and the family would do this frankly to us and, and let us think everything's okay. If they all know, it's like when you tell your friends when you, and I remember doing this when I was younger, playing golf with people, and you tell them the night before, yeah, hey, we're, we're going to play golf tomorrow. Have you ever played? Yeah, I've played before. What do you shoot? Yeah, I shoot. I'm a scratch golfer. And you know the next morning you're going to get out there and dump your first tee shot. Well, you don't <laughs> lie when you know you're going to get called out for lying the first chance you get. Like, you don't say you shoot in the 90s and then go shoot a 140. You just don't do that. I mean, some people do, but idiots. The Colts aren't idiots. I think he's going to be okay. Greg Doyle with us here on the Wake Up Call on the Payless Liquors Hotline. As a way to bring up both IU and Purdue college basketball-wise, big picture, what has this season done for you as it pertains to Mike Woodson and his future and his competence and you know in, in building a team? And then the small picture, any worry? I don't know if you how much you saw of Purdue yesterday, uh, but Purdue going on the road and losing to Ohio State. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't able to watch either. So I'm not going to pretend I did. Um, but sometimes on things like this, you, you kind of only need the score and maybe even the, the, the box score to tell you what's going on, especially this late in the season for both. And to answer your question about Woodson, uh, I forget how you worded it, but I was thinking, oh, you, what has he done? What has happened to your belief? Yeah, just, crushed it. I don't have, yeah, I don't just, have any. Just, just you know, big picture here. I mean, this is such a, a rough season. It's easy to say, well, you know, don't let it happen again. But, boy, he's got to go out and really rebuild a team. This team that they put out this season, it's not good enough to go anywhere. No, no, he, he he's, he's done. <clears throat> Do I think he's done after this year? No, I don't. I don't think – I know that – Barring something crazy, and something crazy would be IU not winning again this year, and that 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 changes the calculus. Okay, when I when I say what I'm about to say, that implies assumes they're going to win a few more games. Okay, but if they go O for the rest of the way, it's over. He's out. Do I know that? No, but do I think what I think and what I actually kind of believe? Hell, what I know is that IU is in no way, shape, or form thinking about firing Mike Woodson, a beloved alum a Bob Knight guy and everything else that comes with Mike Woodson, there's no way you fire him after three years. You just don't do it. And they won't do it. Now, if they don't win again, everything changes. Everything changes. But so what has he done? He's shown me, he, he's shown me that Trace Jackson Davis carried him carried because there's nothing about him that gives you in, in, in confidence, nothing. The way he's put this roster together, the way he's gotten, gotten his roster to play hard, the way they're, the way they, they are or are not under control. There's, you can't tell me one thing we've seen since Trace Jackson Davis left that makes you think, you know what, Mike Woodson might be the guy. Not one. There's not one. 
And yeah, you can say, well, you got to give him more time, and he, he's going to get one more year. But at his age, you'll you know, he, you'll get a lot of time. And this is a, a big turnaround for me because uh, about a year ago, when Dusty May had FAU riding high, and and of course Trace was still here, and I was looking at a story I wrote, or at least the headline. The headline says nobody's pushing out Mike Woodson, comma, but Dusty May's got next. And I think my tweet even said Mike Woodson's doing great. Not trying to not trying to say anything about Mike Woodson, comma, but Dusty May will be next. And I would never write those words, nobody's pushing out Woodson, or he's, he's doing great, because now I realize, no, you're not. You know, Trace Jackson Davis did great for you. And that happens in basketball. One player can do that, especially one player that good. As for Purdue, you know, from what I understand, the message boards are turning on a particular player who didn't hit a lot of shots last night. I don't even want to say his name. I, don't, I mean, if you guys know who it is, you know who it is. But they, they, last night, I don't understand how last night, and this is, a, this is the, the complaint people have about Painter, is that that sometimes you know he he's got a system and it works. I mean he there's no there's no way to say that what he does doesn't work. But at the same time, when there's a, a change up of a certain level, uh, sometimes they don't they don't adjust right. And for some reason, Ohio State was able to not only keep Zach Eady from going off, but they were also able to stop Purdue from getting threes. And I don't think they should be able to do that. I, I don't think you should. So that's up to Purdue to figure out. Well, wait a minute, you can't take away both. If you're going to take away one, we're going to adjust and, and get the other. But Purdue wasn't able to adjust, and that's – I kind of thought this team was so good that you couldn't do what Ohio State did to them last night, especially Ohio State, for God's sake. So, I mean, it's concerning. Is it is it red alert? No, but it, it's concerning. Greg, last one for me, and I guess I'll go back to that Mike Woodson front here and throw out a little hypothetical. We know Ohio State is open. Um, Louisville, you would assume as well. If through the grapevine, Scott Dolson company gets word that Dusty May is going to take one of those two jobs – but he would really love the Indiana job. Should that spur any action here in the immediacy with Mike Woodson? I mean, the way you're laying it out, I'll answer it because I don't think I don't think it's going to happen that way. But the way you're laying it out, um, boy, boy, I can go either way. Um, it, it it depends on how the next couple of months go. The next month goes okay. If I use slogs to the end, and if they you know if they if they go 500 the rest of the way, they can't push him out. They just can't do it. They just. I don't care how good Dusty May you think he might be, you just can't You can't do it. And I understand in this day and age, you just can't do it. However, and I don't know this, okay? I do not know this. I do know IU has no interest in pushing out Woodson. You know, I just know. You know you, everybody's talking about over there. He's, Woodson's safe, barring calamity. So I don't know what I'm about to say at all. But what I, will, what I would bet a lot of money on is that Dusty May knows that Woodson, I mean, Woodson's what, 60, whatever he is. I mean, Woodson's going to be around probably one more year. I think that's kind of the expectation. They're going to give him four years. And if he doesn't turn it around, or maybe if he does start turning around, he'll be ready to go. My, If I had to bet, if you told me, you know, take this guy or the house, I'd take this guy, this guy being Dusty May, and I'd take, I'd take him taking this job in 14 months, which means I don't think he would go to Ohio State. I don't think he would do anything else. I think he would, I mean, F, he's happy at FAU. I remember talking to him last year about FAU and, and, you know, you are the flavor of the month. You realize what's coming. That was, in fact, my story is, hey, by Dusty May, he's about, to be, he's about to be on everybody's number one list. Get to know Dusty May. By the way, he went to IU and was a manager for, for Bob Knight. After talking to him, he made it very, very, very clear. And, you know, you can tell when some guys are blowing smoke and some guys aren't. The fact that he's still at FAU tells me he wasn't blowing smoke. He's happy down there. He loves the weather. He's, a, he's an outdoorsy guy. He rides his bike to work every day in Boca. His kids are happy. Everybody's happy. He's doing just fine, and he's young, and he knows that his best years or his best money-making years are down the road. He didn't tell me he'd wait for IU at all. We didn't talk about that at all. But my my suspicion is, and I like my my uh, my insight on this one, 
is that he will wait 14 months and be the next coach. Greg, what are you working on? I did enjoy um, your uh, conversation with the IMPD chief. His name escapes me, the new guy. But, um, Chris I, Bailey. Chris Bailey, thank you. I, I did think that was a, um, that was a very nice way to localize uh, the angle on certainly a huge national story. Uh, anything else to keep our eyes out for this week? Yeah, but can I tell you real quick about that Bailey thing, how that happened is I yeah. went to the Pacers. Uh, they had an all-star game. The NBA and the Pacers had an all-star game kind of media gathering sort of to let us know what's coming. And this is maybe Tuesday of last week. And I sit down, and, and there's, a, there's a police officer sitting down at a table by himself. as we're, It's kind of a cocktail thing, and, and it's awkward. And, not, and so I sat down right next to him and started talking to him and, and said, hey, I'm, um, I, I said, well, so what brings you here? You know, Are you here for security? Are you here for whatever? And he goes, yeah, I'll be making some remarks soon. I said, really? How come? He goes, well, they, you know, I'm the, uh, or so, he said something, and I said, well, who, who are you? And he goes, I'm the, I'm the acting police chief. And he hadn't been named the police chief yet. And I went, and I'm the idiot. And I'm sorry for not <laughs> knowing that. And I shook his hand. It was Chris Bailey, and and I told him then the story. I said, this and this isn't about you. This is about me. I told him nine years ago. I got a phone call from a guy as I was driving to see my kids in in Ohio, as I used to do back then when they were younger. Driving to Ohio, I got a phone call. I was at the store for about a year, maybe six months. And the guy's thanking me for a story I wrote about RIFRA. No, about, about the, the religious freedom before it went nuts. And I wrote, can we, can we stop yelling and just listen to everybody? I, I wrote the fairest thing I've ever written about politics. Where I, like, can we just please listen to both sides? And not that there's two sides there, but just can we stop yelling? We're not going to fix this if we yell. And after the guy's ta- thanking me, I, I, I said to him, listen, you told me your name, and, and, and I recognize it. But I got to tell you, I, I'm not sure who you are. Who are you? And he goes, uh, yeah, this is Dan Coates. I'm the senior senator from Indiana. I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, <laughs> Senator Coates, I'm so sorry. So I, sometimes I don't really recognize who I'm talking to uh, at times. So anyway, I met Bailey that day, and he was wonderful. And so I was able to reach out to him and get him on the phone. As far as this week, I'm going to the Kalen Clark game at IU on Thursday night. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to write an un, unbudgeted, unplanned follow. I did not want to whine about the All-Star game last night and how ugly it was. I, I didn't think that was the setting. I didn't mind whining about Dame Lillard being a pig. Didn't mind that at all. But today, I'm going to write about the All-Star game and just what, what we all saw, what it means. And as usual, I'm going to go a step farther than most people are going to go, and that's okay. But uh, in about three years, you'll see that I'm right. Greg, thank you as always. Hopefully run into you next week at the Combine, and uh, looking forward to that piece and uh, certainly your coverage coming up on Thursday down there in Bloomington. I'll be downtown with you, KB. All right, Andy, see you guys.